Good morning. Around this time of year, there is a famous mitzvah that is relevant, and that is the bracha made on blossoming trees. Um, so let's review the relevant laws, practices, opinions, customs. Okay. It, um, interesting that the law of the bracha and trees has its own chapter in Shulchan Aruch. It's a chapter with just Simon Rish Chaim chapter 226. Um, and it's just one paragraph in that chapter. And it's interesting that the Shulchan Aruch separates it from all the brachas in the previous chapter. The chapter before 225 has numerous brachas, which we say called brachas when you see new fruit, when you see thunder and lightning, when you see... Um, strange creatures, there's all different brachas we make and all different uh, sightseeings. And, but this bracha, this bracha is set into a separate chapter. So let's read, first let's just read what it says in Shulchan Someone who goes out in the days of Nisan, and he sees trees, which are producing flowers. He says, that he has made nothing lacking in his world. And he created in his world in it um, um, good creatures or beautiful creatures, and good trees, from which people can derive uh, benefit or pleasure. This bracha is only made once a year. If you delayed making the bracha until after the fruit have already grown, you should no longer say the bracha. That's the way it says in Shofan Aruch. And, um, okay, so let's review um, piece by piece. So first of all, it starts off by saying, somebody who goes out in the days of Nisan. So going out, is going out an important thing? Now, it's interesting, we'll see this come up a number of times in various of the discussions, that the Kabbalists, and specifically we find this um, um, quoted a lot in the Sephardi, um, in the Sephardic uh, authorities, this Mekobalim apply tremendous significance to this bracha, um, that it is uh, designed to fix or to help those neshamas which are somehow entangled and meshed with the, in the in in the in the trees of the forest or the trees of the fields, and that when one makes this bracha, one helps those neshamas. And um, it's brought the pasuk that Yaakov that Yitzchak Avinu said for to Yaakov, the smell of my child is like the smell of the field with which God has blessed. And that leads to all the brachas that Yitzchak um, proceeded to give to Yaakov Avinu. Now, first of all, the, the, the text, the way the Rambam says it, is that if somebody goes out to the Ginois of Pardesim, let me just find the Lush in a second. Oshun and the Rambam is, somebody who goes out to the fields and to the gardens, and he sees 
um, these trees. So some were medayik in the Lashon of the Rambam, that the Rambam holds that you have to go out. You don't just say it on a tree or trees that you see walking down the street. When you go out, out into the forest, out into the fields, outside the city, and you see orchards and fields are full of trees, that's when you say um, the brachan. And those who apply a lot of significance to the Kabbalistic side of things also talk about somehow the neshamas being trapped in these things specifically outside of the city. <clears throat> in practice, some communities do have a preference and they even, uh, again, some communities are very into this bracha. We'll see, as we go along, we'll see that in Chabad, that was never the case. But some communities have specifically a custom to go to go out to say the bracha with a bit in a big group, um, and also to to go out. Just a moment. To go out into into the fields, into the outskirts of the city, to say the bracha over there. However, in practice, it's not. It's all, I, pretty much all poskim say that it's actually it's not necessary. It may be a preference, but it's certainly not necessary to go out of the city. To the fields, any trees that you see blossoming qualify uh, for, for the bracha. Now, as it, it, this actually became a big point of contention just last year, because last year, if you recall, this time of year, we were all uh, homebound. And um, what they did, they actually did it in Chicago, but it started out in New York and in other cities, I think actually in Israel, it started out that they had that people put blossoming trees in the back of a truck. And they drove around neighborhoods with the truck. You remember this, um, with the opportunity for people to make a bracha. And there were some people, some uh, some rabbis who um, did not like this at all. And um, for those who like to study uh, sociology, you can try and make a uh, um, study whether or not those rabbis who were, were against this were the same rabbis who were against following the COVID precautions or not. But they. But one of the tightness was, what do you mean? You have to make the bracha on real trees and it has to be growing in the ground and it has to be outside the city and all of these um, ideas. But the, again, the, 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 the widespread opinion, which was reiterated again by numerous rabbis last year, was that it doesn't need to be outside the city and it can even be a tree that's not growing in the ground, it's just growing in a flower pot on top of a truck. Um, and uh, that's totally fine. The next words in the Shulchan Aracha be made Nisan in the days of Nisan, which is based on the Gemara. The Gemara talks about making this bracha in Nisan. Now, the question is is it specifically Nisan? What's it? This is a bracha that you make on a natural um, phenomenon. This is part of, part, of, part of the nature that every year the trees blossom. So, what's it got to do with the months of Nisan? Surely it's just whenever the trees blossom. Now, granted that the trees usually blossom in Nissan, but for example, um, this year when we're um, when uh, you know Pesach started still in March, so it's 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 very and you see today today is the second tomorrow is the last day of Nissan, and there's very few blossoms in the trees around town. Certainly on the fruit trees, we'll talk later about fruit trees, but, but so so who says it has to be specifically in Nissan? And indeed, the most common uh, the, the more prevalent understanding and ruling is that it doesn't have to be specifically a Nisan. 
It has to be Bimeinisan is just Tibar HaKosov. However, the Gemara talks about Bimeinisan because that would be the time when usually a person would go out and see blossoming trees. But if if you happen to, if the trees happen to blossom late, then that's fine too. You can make the blessing in ear. Now within that, there's difference. Uh, some say even if it blossoms early, um, like in other, in some years where it's you know maybe in a, in a leap year where you, where where where, um, where the where April is already maybe starts of the month of other that could also happen. So you might get some and certainly some trees they talk about almonds or some trees blossom early. Some say you know it doesn't matter. Nissan other ear either way is fine. But some say no. If it's an adar, then it's that's too early. That's not on the current. That could even be a negative thing. Like it shouldn't be. You mess. It's, it's, it's a time when everything's supposed to happen, and if it happens early, then that's not good enough. And um, in fact, it might still get cold again. And we'll see later. There's a discussion whether or not the fact that I'm making a bracha on the blossom has anything to do with that blossom that's going to develop into a fruit. And so some argue, well, if, you, if, if the bracha is connected with the fact that the blossom is going to develop into a fruit, and then you make the bracha in other, well, what if it then becomes cold again, and these blossoms fall and don't become into fruit? But certainly after Nisan, after Nisan, um, the vast majority of Muslim hold that there's no problem at all to say the bracha after Nisan. Um, some say any time after Nisan is fine, some say within Tkufas Nisan. Tkufas Nisan is the four seasons of the year. Um, we, in English, we call them April, uh, sorry, we call them fall, spring, some winter, but um, in, in Hebrew, in the in halachic vernacular, they're referred to by the months of the year. So Tkufas Nisan is the, is, is, the, is the season of the spring, which starts, I think, on the 1st of April, is that correct? Or whatever it is in the beginning of April. So, um, so some say any time in that season, some say any time within a month after Tkufas Nissan. So if Tkufas Nissan start, for example, this year Tkufas Nissan started, I don't remember, I didn't check it up the exact date, but probably started like somewhere toward the end of Pesach. So within a month after that, you could say the bracha. There's very different, various different opinions about it. But um, again, like I said, the vast majority of Paskim hold that it's okay to make the bracha after Nissan. However, for Chabad, that's not the case. Now, let me explain to you what goes on over here. Um, these halachas, like I mentioned, in Shulchan Aruch, are talk, spoken about in Erechaim, Simon Reishchavav. Simon Reishchavav and Erechaim are from those chapters which are missing from the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch. Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch um, stopped, Reish that's 215, is the last simon. I think it actually stops in the middle of that simon. And then we, the next simon that we have is Simon Reish Man Beis 242, which is the beginning of the laws of Shabbos. So we're missing from the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch a big section of the laws of Brachis, and also other things. Um, however, so we don't have the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch on this thing. However, what we do have is two versions of Berchus Hananim. That means like this. The Alter Rebbe wrote a compilation after he finished the Shulchan Aruch. He wrote a compilation just on Berchus Hananim, called Luach Berchus Hananim, just on laws of Brachus. And then later he wrote an, a, a second edition of that, which was called Seide Berchus Now the Luach Berchus Hananim is not learned so Commonly, because we always, whenever, whenever we have something that Rebbe wrote later, we follow the later edition. So if there's anything you change his mind, mind about, we're going to learn the later one. But sometimes it's uh, insightful to learn both, because sometimes by um, by uh, analyzing the differences between the two, 
we can uh, we can see what 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 he really meant. Now, in the Luach Birchas Hananim, the Alter Rebbe says that if you didn't, uh, one second. Dr. Rebbe says that if you saw trees that blossomed and then, you know, and you made the bracha, and then 30 days later you saw the trees, the, uh, again, trees that are blossoming, do you say the bracha again or not? So that is a general discussion. There's different types of birchas and there's different opinions about this in general. For example, um, if you see a monkey, there's a bracha you say, let me know the bracha you say when you see a monkey. Bracha when you say a monkey is baracha to Hashem, Mishana Hebreus. There's a bracha that you say when you see a monkey that Hashem created strange or interesting creatures. Now there is machmoikas. When do you say this bracha? You saw the monkey, you made the bracha. Then you saw another bracha, another monkey. So one opinion is no, that you only say the bracha the first time you see a monkey, uh, and the same for an elephant, and it says also for a midget, if you see a midget, you should say this bracha. And once a year, once every 30 days. Oh, so one opinion is that you say it once and that's it. Another opinion is that you say, yeah, another opinion is that you say it if, if there was 30 days between the last time you saw it and now, then you say it again. So if you go to the zoo twice a year, then every time you go to the zoo, according to that opinion, you would say, you, 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 you would say the brach. Now, there are indeed brachas that we do that way. For example, the brach when you see a cemetery. There's a brach when you see a Jewish cemetery. You're supposed to say it, but you only say it if you haven't seen a Jewish cemetery for 30 days. That one or any? any Jewish cemetery, right? So that's important to know. People, most people um, don't see Jewish cemeteries so often. So you have to know when you go to the cemetery to say the bracha. But you have to, uh, to have in mind. Sometimes you might be driving down the street and pass by a Jewish cemetery. Um, you know, bear that in mind. Um, so there's different. Some brachas we do repeat after. Some brachas we say. So the Alter Rebbe Paskins, for example, that Mishana Habriya is for a monkey, is a one-time, one-time gig. That's it. You don't say it again ever. Even if you see monkeys again after 30 days, you don't say the bracha again. Um, so the question is, what about the bracha on the blossoming trees? So here in the Luach Berchasadenim, which is the earlier edition of the Alter Rebbe's um, Alachas, he says that you... Um, he says that if you see blossoming trees again after 30 days, you should say the bracha again without shame or mouth. So you say, instead of saying, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu, Malach Ha'elam, Shalachisa, Ba'elam, Eklom, etc., you skip the, 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 the name of God, so as not to risk saying the name of God in vain, and you just say, Baruch, Shalachisa, Ba'elam, Eklom, etc. Now that's what he says in the Luach. In the Seder Berchus he skips this entirely. He doesn't say anything about saying the bracha again after 30 days. Now one could... So why does Alter Rebbe skip it? So you could say that he skips it because he changed his mind. And, and indeed, the majority opinion is that when it comes to the, the bracha on trees, it's a one-time-a-year thing. You don't say it again after 30 days. So you could say that he changed his mind and that now, in the, in this, in the later edition, he is following those authorities who say that it's a one-time-a-year thing. And that's why there's no need to say it again after 30 days. That could be a plausible explanation of the Alter Rebbe. However, in a famous letter of the Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe says that the reason the Alter Rebbe skips that is because in his later edition, 
and we know we've actually discussed this a few times in the past that as the Rebbe Alt Rebbe later on in his life became more and more reliant on the Kabbalistic um, authority, uh, so the Mukhabalim have a some Mukhabalim have a preference that this bracha should be made specifically in the month of Nisan. That even though halachically you're making the bracha a natural phenomena, which usually happens in the month of Nisan, but if it happens later, that then you say the bracha later. However, some Mukhabalim say that you should say the bracha only in the month of Nisan. Now, even within those Mukhabalim, most of them don't say it as a an absolute. They say it's preferable to say it in the month of Nisan. The Chidah is the most famous one. But it seems that there are some Mukhabalim, and in, um, in this Sefer, this is a Sefer called Halacha Brura, from, uh, written by one of the children of Rabbi Yosef. He brings a lot of the sources for this, and I saw in other places bringing from the Shach al numerous sources who um, put a strong emphasis Kabbalistically that somehow this bracha is connected uh, from a mystical perspective with the month of Nisan specifically. And so the Rebbe suggests that the reason why the Alter Rebbe in the later edition takes out, uh, omits this idea of saying the bracha again after 30 days is because after 30, even though in theory you could say it again after 30 days, but in practice, Nisan is only 30 days. So you can't actually say it in, in the month of Nisan. You can't actually say it again after 30 days because it's absolute in the month of Nisan. So again, even though in theory one could learn even in Alter Rebbe that it's not conclusive, but that's what the Rebbe suggests the Pshat and the Alter Rebbe is. And so for Chabad, Sidimi would only say the bracha in the month of Nisan. This then leads to further shilas, as we'll see going along. Another important shilas is that what do you do in the in the southern hemisphere, where the natural occurrence would be would be probably Elul Tishrei Cheshu. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the practice amongst most of those communities not in Chabad is that they say the bracha whenever the tree is blossom. And in fact, this is explicit in the Ritva and in other Rishonim that. When the Gemara says Nisan, it doesn't mean specifically Nisan, it means, and he says specifically, every place according to the time that it's natural for it to blossom. So even though we said before, some say it has to be in the Tkufas Nisan, it has to be within the season or within the month of Nisan, you know, not too far later. But again, halachically, it's very difficult to insist that it has to be in the month of Nisan. And so I believe that the common practice outside of Chabad in, in, you know, in Australia, in South Africa, in Argentina, in Brazil, is that they would say the bracha um, even in Tishrei. However, in Chabad, we have the guidance of the Rebbe that we should only say the bracha in the month of Nisan. Another discussion as to the timing of the bracha is whether or not you could say the bracha on Shabbos. Um, and in the early, we do find some postum advising against saying the bracha on Shabbos and the same for Yom Tif. It seems two reasons. Number one, because the, some Paschum were concerned that people would then break off a branch or break off a flower from the tree, um, which is forbidden on Shabbos. Uh, others perhaps were concerned that people don't know the bracha by heart and they would carry the siddur with them in a place where there's no arrow to make the bracha. But most authorities are not um, uh, worried about this. Rebbe Yosef has a long tshuva where he demonstrates that there's no problem to make the bracha on Shabbos. I believe it's brought from Rebbe Zalman Oyebach, if I'm not mistaken, that he actually himself one year said the bracha on Shabbos. 
and that he, never left Yerushalayim, he never left there to Israel, but he lived in Yerushalayim, and I think he said that he never missed a year from his bar mitzvah, he never missed a year of making a bracha. Um, but, however, again, here we have something from the Mukhobalim, that specifically the Mukhobalim, who talk about the significance of this bracha having to do with what you're accomplishing, again, I'm explaining these things, but this is actually, but, but, but just by way of introduction to this, one of the malachas that are forbidden on Shabbos is bayrer. Bayrer means to separate. You're not allowed to separate the good from the bad. And in Chassidus, we often have reference to avodas habirurim. Everything we're doing in this world is avodas habirurim to refine this world, to elevate the sparks of holiness that are lost in the in the dirt or the fallacies of this world, right? So that's why one of the, but Shabbat, on Shabbos, the world is elevated. And that's why on Shabbos, that we don't have the same Avedis Abirurim. Our Avedis on Shabbos is not um, connected so much with the struggle between the good and the bad, because we don't have, that's why, that's why, that's why, that's why Bayer is forbidden on Shabbos. Because on Shabbos, just, just like in the physical, we don't, do, just like on the, on the spiritual level, we're not busy with Bayer. We're not busy with refining the good from the bad on Shabbos. On Shabbos, we're only involved in the good and the holy. So that's why also halachically we don't do it. So um, based on that, those Paskim who are give strong emphasis to the Kabbalistic perspective on things, they also say that it's not a good idea to say the bracha on the trees on Shabbos and Yom Tif, because this idea of whatever you're doing over there, helping the Neshamas, again, whatever exact, however exactly it works, is something which is connected to Bayer, which shouldn't be done on Shabbos, yes. Is the so that we said specifically in Shukhan Aruch, that if you delayed making the bracha until the fruit have grown, you cannot say the bracha anymore. Now that's the machlekes about that too. We're going to get to that's what it says in Shukhan Aruch. In the tour in the Beshas of this machlekes, we're going to discuss that soon. Okay, the next words in the Shukhan Aruch are Shemitzi and Perach, which are producing, Perach literally means flowers. And the Primagadim and other Paschim say that. Um, it's not good enough to have budding leaves. It has to be budding flowers, which is part of the reason why the plan for this morning was canceled because indeed the tree in Natan's backyard are not yet producing flowers. They're only producing little leaves. So the blossom has started to bud forth, but it is not flowers yet, which is why we cannot say the bracha yet. Okay. Can you find another tree somewhere else? Let, let's wait. There's going to be a number of other things covered, which we'll see why we're not jumping on the opportunity to say the bracha. Um, okay. Yes. My house in Idaho, I've got three uh, fruit trees. Okay, very good. So let, let's, 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 finish, let's finish everything we have to discuss on this offer, and then we'll see if it's, if it's going to be wrong. Um, okay. Um, Elonis. The Shulchan Aruch says the words Elonis, trees, in the plural. 
which is based on the common text of the Gemara, Eloni, with the Yud, which in the Aramaic means trees in the plural. And so some Paskim do say that there's a preference. Before we spoke about the, 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 the Rambam and the preference to go and make the bracha on outside the city, on an orchard full of trees, but even when you're making it regular, there are those who have a preference to say it on, on, malt, on trees, plural, on a minimum of two trees. However, um, I'm pretty much um, widely accepted that that's just a preference, but certainly one can make the bracha even on one tree as well. Another, Another important question is, does it have to be a fruit tree? What if it's a tree that is just uh, what's called in halacha an ilan strap, a tree which does not produce fruits? Now, many of the postums say that it has to be a fruit tree. And in fact, there's a discussion about this, by the way, in, 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 uh, in the Sichas. It's a sicha about the story in Parshas, uh, Shlach, where the, the, where the princes all put their staffs in front of the Mishkan and the staff of Aaron um, blossomed and produced almonds. So in the footnotes in that Sikha, the Rebbe gets into it. And there also the Rebbe um, certainly is strongly leaning towards the opinion that the bracha on, on Nisan has to be made on fruit trees. Although again, that's certainly far from absolute. And there are many poskim who hold that you can say the bracha even not on a fruit tree, and therefore, practically speaking, um, if one, uh, and others say that if for whatever reason, I think of Shmuel also writes so, that in Shevet that if for whatever reason a person said a bracha uh, on, a, on, a, on a non-fruit tree, then he should not say the bracha again, because we don't want to risk a bracha levatala, a bracha in vain, and according to some Paschim, saying the bracha on a non-fruit tree is, is, is valid. And so, um, and so it's not absolute. Another Shaila, actually somebody just mentioned to me recently that uh, he was in Mexico and uh, they, made, they had planted there a pomegranate tree. Now they cannot yet eat the pomegranates because the tree is still Arla. The tree is still within the first three years. We know the Torah forbids having any benefit from the tree within the first three years, but he made the profit. So actually, it's, quite, it's a question, it's questionable whether that's okay. Rekiv Eger, on his notes on the Shulchan, his glasses on the Shulchan Aruch, has a suffix. He says he's not sure whether or not you should say the bracha on a tree that, like, that's Arla that you wouldn't be able to benefit from. Other pastors say, no, it's no problem. The bracha is on the, on the, on the site. On the, on the, on, you know, on seeing the street, it's not about whether or not you could actually benefit from the fruit. You know, that's up and back. But again, Rabbi Kiveger is uncertain about it. And so he says, um, and, and, and so certainly, ideally, once Rabbi Kiveger is uh, important enough person that I, we shouldn't say the bracha on such a tree. Um, interesting raya, though. <laughs> okay, just the, there's a chuva, there's a chuva from the Chibina Rav, the David Mishan, the Chibina Rav. His name was actually, um, his last name was Schneerson. He, they were relatives of the, of the Rabbi. Um, and he writes that, so he brings a Mishnah. The Mishnah in Arla says that if a person has an Arla tree growing in his property, he has to put a sign notating that it's Arla. Why? 
because somebody might come and take the tree the fruit and not realize that it's over. So the so the Mishnah says that this is only in the year of Shemitah, because in the year of Shemitah everything is hefker. Anybody's allowed to come and take fruit from any tree that grows. So you have to make sure you warn people that this tree is Arla. But not during Shemitah, so the, he brings the passage there, which means somebody's doing something uh, something bad, so it's not my business to protect. He's stealing, it's not my, but my business. One second. Yeah. It's not my business to save somebody who's doing an Avera from doing another Avera. So if he's stealing, he can, it's, not my, it's not my responsibility from, to save him from eating Arla. But if it's in the year of Shemitah, where he's allowed to take the fruit from the tree, so then I have to put a sign. Says the Shabina Rav, hold on a second. I shouldn't have to make a sign anytime um, that it's Arla to make sure that people won't by mistake go and make a bracha um, on seeing the blossoms of this tree. Says the cute Raya. He doesn't call it a proof. He calls it a uh, a kind a kind of proof. It's, it's not really a proof because it's not the thing. But anyway, that's another Shiloh that's brought up, whether or not it's okay to make the bracha on the fruit tree, on the on, on oil tree. Okay, now here is the very big question. Shulchan Aruch says, V'eimim you only make the bracha once a year. If you delay to make the bracha until after the trees, uh, the fruit grew, then it's too late. Now this is based on the tour, and there is a machloikas between the Bas Yosef and the Bach how to understand the tour. That means like this, it's really a, it's a tour and a martyr. The Mordechai says that if you didn't make the bracha before, and then the, the fruit have already grown, you could say the bracha after the fruit have grown. So the Bishasaf says, this is the Machlechus. The tour holds, you cannot say the bracha after the, after the, after the fruit have grown. And the Mordechai says, you can't say the bracha after the fruit have grown. However, the Bach wants to synthesize between the tour and the Mordechai. He says, no, they're talking about different scenarios. They're talking, the question, did you see it before or not? The Torah says that you can't say the bracha after the fruit have grown. It's talking about when you already saw the, the fruit blossoming. For whatever reason, you neglected to say the bracha. Now the fruit of growing, it's too late to say the bracha. The Mordechai is talking about where you never saw it before. And the first time you see it, the fruit are already growing. He says you can already make the bracha. Now this bring, leads into a whole discussion about what happens if, and this is where we really get into a pickle with, the, with, the, in, with making the bracha in practice, is whether or not, if, if, whatever, if you saw a tree blossoming and you didn't say a bracha, can you then say the bracha next time? Now, when it comes, for example, to Shechayonu, right? So Shechayonu, so we say Shechayonu when we eat a new fruit. Now, in theory, you should say the bracha when you see the new, new fruit. In practice, the minag is to do it when you eat the new fruit. But what happens if you eat a new fruit and you didn't say Shechayonu? And the second, and then you eat the, the same, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about, um, a place where there's no import, so it's very clear what fruits are in season, what fruits are out of season. Around this time of the year, you wouldn't have seen a peach um, for probably about six months or so, and now peaches are back in season. And you ate a peach and you didn't say Shechayon. 
And then you eat another piece. You say the second time out. So, again, as you can imagine, it's machlekes. The Rebbe paskins that you should say shechiyonu without shema malchus. Like we mentioned before, you say baruch shechiyonu v'kimonu v'giyonu v'kimonu. You may not actually say the bracha because shechiyonu. You only say the bracha for the first time. You miss the first time; it's too late. Now the machzah shekel says that the same machlekes could be applied to the bracha the blossoming trees. Those opinions who hold that you can say Shekhyon on the second time round when you eat the fruit if you didn't say it the first time would hold that if you saw a blossoming tree and you didn't say the bracha, then the second time you see a blossoming tree, you can't say the bracha. But those who hold that you don't say the bracha the second time round, you could make the bracha, um, you, you, um, you wouldn't say the bracha the second time round on the, on the, tree, on the, on the, tree, on the blossoming trees either. Um, And indeed, one second. Right? However, the Mishnah Bura is even more lenient than that. And the Mishnah Bura says that even according to the opinion that you do not say Shehafayana the second time round on a fruit, they would agree that on a, on a, on a blossoming tree you could say the bracha the second time round. So the Mishnah says very clearly that according to all opinions, uh, even, not according to all opinions, but he says clearly, even though we passed him, that you don't say Shekhyonah the second time, if you say, if you didn't say Shekhyonah the first time you eat the fruit, you can say it the second time. For blossoming, sorry, you don't say it the second time. For blossoming trees, the Mishnah says, no, even if you didn't say a bracha the second time round, the first time round, uh, when you saw a blossoming tree, you can say a bracha the second time when you see a blossoming tree. Now, what does the Alter Rebbe hold about all of this? Now, L'Chaira, in the Alter Rebbe, there's no conclusive proof one way or the other. Because all the Alter Rebbe really says um, is, there's, there's really two things. First of all, we have the difference between the Luach and the Seder. Because in the Luach, he said that if you see it again after 30 days, you should say the bracha again without Shema Malchus. And that's talking about what you did say a bracha the first time around. But if you didn't say a bracha the first time around, it would imply that you can say the bracha mm-hmm. even within 30 days. But Al-Tarebbe omits that part from the say the bracha And then the question becomes, well, how much significant to apply to the omission of that part from the say the bracha bearing in mind that somebody who's just reading the Seder is not usually going to be comparing it to the Luach. So just by reading the Seder, you wouldn't, uh, you, you wouldn't be able to, to, to learn that. Now, in the Seder Berich Sanen, the Alter Rebbe says, you only see it on the first time that you say the bracha every, sorry, you only say the bracha the first time you see it every year. Now, that could very, that could very easily be read as just paraphrasing what the Shulchan Aruch says. And in fact, it's, I think it's been uh, demonstrated that there are other early authorities who say the exact same wording as the Al-Tarebbe. And 
one could very well just read it as saying that you only make the bracha once. You, you, once you've said the bracha, you don't say it again, which we've already demonstrated. However, in the in the Badi Ashulchan, the Ketzeis Ashulchan, which is Reb Chaim Noah, Reb Chaim Noah was a Chabad Rav in and he he is um, well accepted as an authoritative interpreter of the Alter Rebbe Shulchan. So we don't always follow everything he says. We certainly take in mind other opinions. But for some reason, he learns the chat in the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch. The Alter Rebbe is very machmer over here, and that is. That if you said that if you saw a blossom in the tree and you didn't say a bracha, you've lost the opportunity to say the bracha this year. Okay. Right now, again, whether or not that's actually conclusive, I don't think is very it's certainly debatable. But Rav Gavreir of Chaim Noah is certainly a reliable authority that we should at least be concerned with his opinion, and that um, so that would be another important thing to bear in mind about making the bracha the first time, the first time you see it. Now here, I'm gonna, I mentioned before that it's in, in Chabad, it's, we certainly don't make a big deal about it like there are in some communities where they all go out together and the whole community goes out to make the bracha together. And certainly that's not done in Chabad. And I haven't researched this this year, but when I remember from the past, from reading, you know, WhatsApp groups, whatever, it seems clear that the Rebbe did not say this bracha. So, I mean, first of all, the, Re the Rebbe didn't really go anywhere. The Rebbe just went from his house to 770 and back. So unless there were trees on the way, um, the, so the Rebbe certainly didn't uh, have the practice of going out of his way to say the bracha, which we like said before, in some communities, especially in the Sephardi communities and many Hasidic communities, they do specifically go out of the way to say the bracha. That certainly was not the Rebbe's practice. And it seems that the Rebbe did not say the bracha, um, uh, didn't say the bracha at least most years. Uh, there was some who claimed that maybe one year or sometimes the Rebbe said the bracha out of the tree, tree outside 770, but that tree is not a fruit tree, which again, we discussed before, is uh, uh, um, uh, um, is, it, is whether or not, you do. Now, here there's a very important source, which I think everything that we've said until now ties, um, feeds into. And that is the Eshel Avram, the Buchacher of. We've discussed the Eshel Avram many times. And he testifies that, in fact, the practice is that most people don't say this bro. And he's uh, questioning why. And he suggests that there could be, so he says like this, that there is this opinion, like we just discussed, Abraham Noah says it's not Al Rebbe's opinion, and it's certainly an opinion out there, that you only say the bracha the first time you see a, a blossoming tree. Says the Bishat Shirov, says the Eshel Avram, usually, and this is the fact, I mean, you can just see this by walking up Sacramento right now, um, the non-fruit trees blossom before the fruit trees, right? We're all struggling to see whether the blossoming tree thing if you go uh, just walk in the street anyway, you'll see loads of trees blossoming, and those are the non-fruit trees. So he says like this: if you see the tree that's blossoming, and um, if you see the tree that's blossoming, and uh, but it's not a fruit tree, so you don't want to say the bracha. You want to wait till you see a fruit tree. But then maybe you could say the bracha on a tree that's not a fruit tree, and maybe you're not supposed to say the bracha if you didn't say it the first time you saw blossoms. So he says, perhaps that's why the prevalent minhag is, and I'm saying perhaps that's why the 
non-official Chabad, you know, thing is that we don't really make a big deal out of this bracha, because in practice, there's usually a reason not to say the bracha. And again, the reason he says, but I'll just add a little bit, and he finishes off by saying, he says, people who are Yoshva who spend the whole day in, the, in their home and in the base Madrash learning Torah, and they don't go out into this, they're not uh, around in the streets. Yeah. Um, so uh, so they never see blossoming trees. And then they go out specially to make this bracha to a place where there's a blossoming fruit tree, then fine. But most people, he says, usually you're going to have seen a blossoming non-fruit tree first. Now, just to add to that, we've discussed before, there's so many ifs and buts and maybes here. So he talks about um, blossoming non-fruit trees, right? Also, um, especially Shabbos is a time when people are out and about, uh, certainly on foot, more than you when you're in your car, where you're not necessarily paying attention to the trees. Um, so what if the first time you see the, the, the fruit tree blossoming is on Shabbos? And we discussed there's a question whether or not you could say the bracha on Shabbos. And even if you pass that you can, if you happen not to know the bracha by heart, by the time you go, right? So then what are you going to, then, then again, it's another scenario where maybe you said the bracha, you've, seen, you've lost your opportunity to say the bracha. Um, thirdly, we spoke before about making the bracha in other. Now, if you would have absolutely conclusive that you may not say the bracha is only applicable in this one, then it would be difficult. That, then the fact that you saw it in, in, the, in the previous month of other would be irrelevant because if you saw it before it was time to say the bracha, then that wouldn't cancel the opportunity to say the bracha when you see it in a valid way. But if it's not so conclusive, and if there's room to say that perhaps you could say the bracha in the month of other, then perhaps seeing a, month, a tree in the month of other also cancels the opportunity to say a bracha. Right? So again, you may have seen a tree on other. You may have seen a tree on Shabbos. You may have seen the most likely one, which is what the Bajajarov says, is that you've probably seen a tree blossoming that's not a fruit tree. Um, you may have seen a tree that's Arla, although I don't know how common it is, but we did see that that did happen to one of our friends over here. Um, according to those opinions who insist on it being multiple trees, you might have seen, seen one tree. Um, but that's not, again, that, that, that's not the common practice. Um, what else? What, which other questions we did we just discuss? Um, one moment, right? So, so that's why, based on all that, it could be that's the reason why in right? I know myself, I have certainly seen non-fruit trees blossoming. I don't, I'm not aware of any, um, I think, and, and also another thing, many people don't know the bracha by heart. Now you have a smartphone. I actually remember a few years ago, was, we were doing a Cholomite, we were in England for Pesach, and my grandparents were in Holland, in a hotel in Holland for Pesach. So one day of Cholomite, we drove to Holland to visit them. And it was, Near the, so near the hotel, like we went to see them, and then we got back into the car, and we were driving somewhere, I don't remember where it was, and it was just like, I was just following my GPS, and suddenly I find myself in a big sign apple orchard, and it was full of blossoming apple trees, and just right there at the wheel, I have, I know the bracha by heart, so I just stood there and said, sat there actually, and said the bracha, right, because that was clearly the first, I, you know, I was coming from England, there weren't no blossoming trees in England yet, I knew that. And so I said the bracha, but it, it, more, more often than not, if you want to be machmer according to all these opinions, and we know in general that the Alter Rebbe was very much heard on the side of Kloshe when it came to anything related to bracha levatala, to the risk of saying bracha in vain, then that would be reason not to say the bracha. On the other hand, other communities um, are not concerned with all of this, and they follow the custom that you do say the bracha. Just one more thing. 
is there is some discussion as to whether or not women should say this bracha. It's considered a time-bound mitzvah. And, uh, and then W. I'll take your question. So just a few th- uh, comments on that. First of all, um, even, um, even if it were to be a time-bound mitzvah, so we know like this, so a time-bound mitzvah, women are allowed to do. Women are allowed to shake lulav, women are allowed to, to hear shayfah, to, to make a bracha on shayfah, etc. Now there is the opinion of the Ramah that women should not do time-bound mitzvahs if the bracha itself is the mitzvah. So the example is havdalah. The Ramah says that women shouldn't make havdalah. Um, it should be yotza havdalah for men. So havdalah is problematic because there's, there's a question whether or not havdalah women are, are a chayv to hear Abdullah because it's a time-bound positive mitzvah, so then they could be exempt, or perhaps they're obligated because it's associated with Shabbos, and anything associated with Shabbos, they're obligated. Nevertheless, the, the, the common Ashkenazi practice is that they don't say Abdullah themselves, and they're marked with the hear it from a man. However, the Alter Rebbe doesn't pass like that. The Alter Rebbe, I believe, the Mother Rebbe also, the Alter Rebbe certainly passes that women can make Abdullah themselves, and so, according to that opinion, certainly there would be no problem with making with women saying the bracha on the trees. In fact, a similar question is addressed by the Rebbe about Birchas um, uh, the blessing that we say once in 28 years. And the Rebbe said that women should say the bracha also. However, more to the point, perhaps even more to the point is the question is whether or not this is bechalam a time-bound positive mitzvah because. A time-bound positive mitzvah, most Paschim hold, has to be not just something that you happen to only be able to say at a certain time, but something that is intrinsically caused, so to speak, by the time. So, for example, right, the question is, is this a bracha that you say in the month of Nisan, so it's time-bound, or is this a bracha that you say on blossoming trees? It happens to be that trees only blossom in the month of Nisan. Um, Kiddush Lavana. Now, in practice, women don't say Kiddush Lavana, and that's preposterous for a mystical reason. But in halacha, Kiddush Lavanda, most Muslims say, is not a, it's not a time-bound mitzvah. Because it, it, you're not, the, the, it happens to be that you can only see the new moon on certain times of the month, but it's not intrinsically connected with it. And the earliest source for this was actually only published recently from the, from the Maram Chalava, but it's a very early source. It's actually very much connected to the Sphere Saima. There is a Ramban, famous Ramban, who says that when he lists examples of time of mitzvahs, positive mitzvahs that are not time bound, and that women are obligated, one of the examples he gives is counting the yom. And all the poskim are busy with this. So what do you mean? How could he say that? What do you mean? Of course, of course, spheres of is time bound. It's only forty nine days out of the year. And to the extent that some wanted to suggest that it's actually a mistake, and it, it was sort of a typo, a printing mistake made in the Ramban, and the Ramban never meant that. However, in recent years, it has been published the Maram Khalabi, who was a student of the Ramban, and he explains, and he says, no, Sphere Sa'ima is not a time-bound mitzvah, because Sphere Sa'ima means to count the days from the sacrifice of the Yom. It happens to be that you can only count the days after the Yom was brought, which happened, which was on the second of Nisan. But the mitzvah of Sphere Sa'ima is to count from that sacrifice. It's not to count a certain day of the year. If the mitzvah would be to count this day of the year and not to count, and there's no mitzvah to count the other day, then that would be time-bound. Here the mitzvah is to count the days of the Yomer. So the Yomer is time bound, but counting the days from the Yomer is already is, is not time bound. So based on that understanding, um, then even the Ramah could hold that women should say the bracha on the blossoming trees because it's not a, a, a mitzvah that's time bound, it's bound in blossoming trees, which happens to usually only happen in a certain time.
years. In addition, you could say that in general, this is not a regular, this is not a mitzvah, it's a brich sanen, it's like a bracha. It's a question whether or not it's brich sashvach, brich sanen. But either way, it's not a mitzvah like habdallah, it's just a mitzvah, something that you say to praise God. And that would be another reason why women uh, could say it. In practice, virtually all the past can say that women are allowed to say it, and perhaps even women should say it. Um, we've just uh, demonstrated that it's questionable whether or not in many years men should say it. Um, but, uh, but, but, but if the opportunity arises that you could say the bracha without question, then there's no difference in practice between men and women. Yes? Um, in the sitter, there's a bunch of different uh, brachas, so there's various things that you can notice. What if you don't have a sitter with you, you don't have a guru with you, and you want to say a, pray a prayer for something like a blossom tree, is there like a general overall prayer which is, which is cover it, or? Or does it have to be the specific? Usually, for usually, it has to be the specific one. I did see somewhere a discussion. Interesting that you ask. I did see somewhere a discussion whether instead of the bracha and the blossom tree, you could just say shachiyon. Um, but because you're saying most people know shachiyon by heart, but don't know the blessing of the tree by heart. Um, but I did see such a discussion somewhere. I don't remember where I saw it to find it now. Um, but let me just see quickly if it's here. I don't think so. I think in practice, if you don't know the bracha by heart, then you, you, should, you should. It means there's a question if you did say Shaykhayano, you know, will you yoit so or not? But certainly, just because you don't say that know the bracha by heart, that wouldn't be a good, valid reason to say Shaykhayano instead. You don't know the bracha, you don't know the bracha, so you go and find it, or yeah, if you can't, you can't. Any other questions? Yes. You started off this talk by talking, right, discussing the shama of the trees, so do you not read on that? I didn't understand that. Neither do I. I'm, I'm just saying what the Mukhabalim is, not the neshama of the tree, it talks about neshamas, there's a concept of Gilgal, and there's neshamas that are somehow trapped or enmeshed in these trees that require tikkun. That, that's beyond my, beyond my paper. I don't know what these things mean, but I do know that the, the chidah and others quote these things, so there's some significance to it. I don't know exactly what They weren't saying that the tree has a No, not the tree has a neshama. That's neshamas of people who require tikkun, and somehow by saying the bracha on the trees, we help those neshamas. I mean, in general, the fact that neshamas are compared to trees, the minhag of apsharnish is based on that in part. So there's certainly a connection between the shamans and trees, but exactly what it means over here, I, I don't know.